Welcome everyone to this episode of the Palmetto Guardian. I'm Sergeant Chelsea Weaver. And I'm PFC Anna Grace Cato. And today we have a special guest with us. Um, I'm going to let him introduce yourself, so go ahead, sir. Hey, yeah. Uh, good afternoon. I'm Major Ben Thornton, uh, State Training Administrator for South Carolina Army National Guard, and recently just took command of 4th of the 118th Infantry Regiment. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking your time out of your very busy schedule. I know that for officers, especially being full-time, you guys have pretty intense uh, schedule, so it's nice to have you come in and talk about your story. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, we're just going to jump right in. So if you can kind of start with what led you to join the South Carolina National Guard and how it got you to where you are now. Yeah, so not atypical of, of most uh, people that, that join the military. I wanted for college benefits. I had an ROTC scholarship to Furman. And uh, when I commissioned, I, I commissioned into the National Guard. And I didn't know a whole lot about the Guard at that time. So I just wanted to be in the closest unit to Greenville, where I was going to live, and uh, ended up being Fountain Inn, which was fortunate. Uh, I commissioned as an infantry officer, and, and they were the closest infantry unit. Um, so you know, kind of luck would have it, you know, put me there, and it's it's been a great experience ever since. Awesome. Were you, like, maybe when you were younger or going through high school and stuff, did you have ambitions to be in the military, or did it kind of just happen once you went to college? So grew up just outside of Annapolis, so military area. My grandfather was a Marine uh, in World War II. Uh, so there, there's, and my, my other, my dad's dad was a Marine. My mom's dad was a, a Navy officer in, uh, in World War II as well. So come from a military family. Um, didn't have huge ambitions of joining the military. This is all pre 9-11, mm. um, but wanted to, you know, I was stubborn and, and independent and wanted to make sure that I was putting myself through college. Uh, so that was kind of the driving factor. We did a big tour before my, uh, before my senior year, junior year uh, in, in high school where we went to a bunch of schools in the southeast. My sister went to Davidson and played lacrosse there. So I wanted to go to a similar, smaller school in, in the southeast, and we looked at Wofford, Furman, uh, Presbyterian, Mercer. So, And when I, when I went to Furman, they had a – like a camo net over a, a table and one of the <laughs> master sergeants was doing recruiting and, you know, he, he, you know, hook, line and sinker. He's like, do you ever want to jump out of airplanes? Do you want to do this? And, and uh, he's like, do you play any sports? And, and I wrestled and played, played soccer. And he's like, you'd be perfect for a scholarship. So I was only joining the military if I went to Furman and, you know, luck would have it. Uh, I got accepted and, and got a scholarship to go to Furman. Awesome. So, um, what led you to join the National Guard versus going active duty? Or was that kind of part of your contract with going through college and everything like that? Yeah, so it wasn't part of my contract. It was just I graduated in 2005, and they had a, lot, a mass exodus of, of Guard officers leaving uh, because of 9-11, because of the op tempo in the National Guard picking up. Mm -hmm. So my commissioning class, uh, I think 50% of the people that commissioned uh, that year were commissioned into the Guard, and, and I was one of them. So, sir, you said that you directly sought out the infantry? So, yeah, I mean, my first sergeant in uh, in college uh, in ROTC, he was a Ranger Battalion first sergeant and very, uh, you know, very motivated kind of guy. And uh, and he, he's certainly someone that, that influenced me to, to go into the infantry and, 
you know, I figured if I was going to be in the military, the infantry is the military. Every, everything else supports that. Yeah. Now, um, earlier you were saying that you joined pre-9-11. How did that impact you with your service and wanting to continue to serve? Yeah, so at Furman, very first day of classes, because we were on trimesters at the time, was September 11th. So I was sitting in a military science class uh, with a lieutenant colonel uh, who's who's teaching, you know, kind of going through the syllabus, the introductions, and his secretary came in and uh, told him that a plane had struck the Twin Towers. And you know, not understanding the gravity of, of the situation, he had some some choice words and said, class dismissed. And I'm like, all right, you know, first day of college, we're already getting out of class early. This is pretty awesome. Got back to my dorm room. My roommate had written on our uh, chalkboard. You know, we didn't have cell phones to text message, mm-hmm. you know, kind of <laughs> dating myself. Uh, he's like, turn on the news. And, you know, I was sitting in my dorm room and, and watched the second tower fall. And it was kind of, you know, just that the gravity of, of the situation and, and where we were at. And we had a formation later that day uh, as a part of ROTC um, where our cadet battalion commander kind of addressed us and uh, um, cadre addressed us about you know, the significance of, of today and how that would impact the rest of our lives. So did that kind of, since you were still in college then, did that have any effect on your decision and still continuing to go into the military? I mean, it didn't change my decision. I think it might have uh, like reinvigorated like a sense of purpose of like why I was doing it. You know, originally might not have gone in with the right intentions of, you know, wanting to have college paid for, but then understanding that it, it's so much bigger than that and, you know, just the pride that America had, you know, on September 12th, you know, the, the cliche, everyone was an American on, on September 12th. Uh, you know, it just gave you gave you a sense of purpose for what you were about to go do. Mm-hmm. So you were saying that you're, you are or about to be the battalion commander of the 4th of the so, 118th? Yep, I took command of uh, 4th of the okay. 118th, uh, official date 1 January. We had our change of command ceremony on 7 January. So I am, I'm in command of 4th of the 118th. Awesome. So I know before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about your history with the 4th of the 118th. So you started out um, as a platoon leader, correct? And then you kind of just went through the ranks. So you've always been a part of the 4th of the 118th in some way, shape, or form. So, yep. I was with the 4th of the 118th from 2005 till 2020. So oh, I deployed wow. you know, three times with them. Uh, multiple different training exercises you know, in Saudi Arabia, Japan, Mexico, uh, XCTC, NTC, warfighter exercises. So, mm-hmm. I mean, everything that I know of the Guard, with the exception of, of the past two years, has, has, been, has been that organization. I mean, I've been fortunate to deploy as a platoon leader to Afghanistan, uh, company commander on a, on a peacekeeping mission to, to Kosovo, and then my most recent deployment to Kuwait as the battalion XO. Now, how was it different going, not only being in different positions during each of those deployments, but the difference between those deployments since you went to three different locations? Like, what was the dynamic between the three of those? So, every deployment's different, regardless of where you're going and uh, what you think you're going to do. The you could train to do one thing, and then as soon as you get on on the ground, it's it's almost always something's going to change that that totally flips up what you what you think you're going to be doing and and you you end up potentially doing something else 
Uh, I mean, so my first deployment being a combat deployment to Afghanistan, uh, I was a platoon leader, separated from uh, our company, you know, on a remote fob, uh, just about less than 50 Americans, with 25 of them being under, you know, my command. We, we did security uh, for that base and then also mentored the uh, Afghan National Army that was co-located on, on the base that we were with. Uh, so, I mean, just huge learning curve being being young, being being detached from my company, uh, had a good uh, fortunate to also be on that same fob with a lot of, you know, current and former senior leaders uh, of the South Carolina National Guard. They had an ETT team that was co-located on, on that base, uh, FOB Apache. Uh, so got to got to learn a lot from them. Uh, my second deployment uh company commander to Kosovo, a peacekeeping mission. So totally different than, than, than the first deployment. Uh, we, we rotated frequently all over Kosovo in Northern Kosovo. Uh, so it was, it was a lot of moving. We, we moved to a different base every two to eight weeks. Uh, so never really had a place to like call, you know, home for, uh, for that deployment, but again, we were we were the only U.S. company uh, on that deployment. We had the brigade headquarters, a battalion headquarters, and the battalion headquarters had operational control of a, a German company, a U.S. company, a, a French company, a Turkish company. So you know, true NATO uh, operation. And then this this last deployment to uh, Kuwait, uh, we were the armored armored mechanized force reaction force for the CENTCOM AOR. Uh, got on ground, was doing our relief in place with my active duty counterpart. And, you know, he's like, man, Kuwait's awesome. You know, nothing goes on here. It's, it's totally chill. You know, he's like, I got to show you where to get my, you know, get suits made, you know, great place to eat in Kuwait city. And the day I was on the Advon team and the day our battalion commander got on ground, we're prepping to send Bradley's to Syria. So our, our experience was, was greatly different than, you know, what the the unit that we replaced uh so and then COVID happened Mm -hmm. so you know we immediately our op tempo in 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 kuwait was through the roof we're trying to figure out how to get bradley's on a plane uh into syria uh to support operations up there uh so it's just go 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 and then and then COVID kind of shut everything on the base down but we still had to support operations in, in iraq and syria so it just made making things happen that that much more difficult uh so you know regardless of your preconceived notion of, of going into you know those mobilizations uh the, what what we actually did on ground just changed drastically sir i know you've only been in command for what a couple of weeks now but <laughs> uh right now how does it feel to be a commander of a battalion uh that you basically grew up in yeah i mean it's a privilege. Like it, this is a, a dream come true. Uh, I've learned so much from the people in that organization, the leaders that have come before me, the the soldiers that you know I saw or may have deployed with that were that you know privates and specialists that are now first sergeants and and sergeants majors. Uh, so it's it's just it's an honor to be you know to be a part of something that's given so much to me. You know just because. Everything that I know, Army leadership, comes from the people of, of that organization. So just 
overly privileged to to have such an such, such an opportunity. Awesome. I kind of want to go back to the COVID thing. We haven't really talked about that. Um, I mean, I don't even know if we talked about it when it was going on, but a lot of us know the dynamic of how it was being stateside, but how was it being deployed? And I mean, there wasn't really any direction to begin with, but when you're on mission or you're overseas in another country trying to do all these missions and all these things that you're tasked to do, like, how did that affect you guys? Um, and how was it being away from home during that time? I mean, it was it was certainly difficult. Uh, around the same time COVID hit, uh, we also did an airstrike on Suleimani outside of Baghdad. So they deployed the 82nd to our base in, uh, in, in Kuwait. So our base all of a sudden had 10,000 people on it that we weren't accustomed to uh, as their reaction force got there. Uh, they shut down the chow halls. They shut down the gyms. They shut down, and we have this influx of, of people that were standing outside, waiting in line six feet apart to get your tray, to go through the chow hall, to go eat outside or your room. Uh, so the, the things, the, the creature comforts that make soldiers happy or happier, as happy as you can be on a deployment where we're totally shut down, you know, any, any outlet. Uh, they had the MPs coming around and breaking up groups of, if you were in a group of six or more people, they would break you up and spread you apart. I mean, but it was also, no one knew. Mm -hmm. So it was just such a weird time. And, you know, talking with my wife, you know, back here, she works from home. So she was just totally isolated from, from everyone. And her sister, who lived in the same town, you scared to come over because mm -hmm. you just didn't know. Uh, I mean, certainly now looking back on it, you know, you, you have a different perspective. Uh, but it, it was, it was just weird, odd. You, you had to, you had to find things that that made you happy to to keep you occupied. You know, the the pull up bars that were outside got you know a lot of use. There there became lots of like underground pop-up gyms <laughs> it, you know like i kid you not there's like rocks taped up to you know other rocks to be heavy for people to lift just to just to be able to do something to mm -hmm. be outside and not not cramped in you know their their four-man room or, or some of the the junior enlisted were you know were in massive tents um you kind of packed on on top of they had they're in fifty man tents, you know, twenty people in a fifty man tent. So there was there's plenty of space, mm -hmm. but by covered standards, you know, it was just having to mitigate that and and still manage operations was was certainly a leadership challenge. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, for public affairs, I mean, our daily operations kind of stopped, but we were still all over the state covering everything that was going on and. Um, people were coming on orders to do different missions and stuff. So, I mean, it was def definitely a different aspect, but I definitely could not imagine being deployed during that and having to find stuff to fill your time with. Because like you said, I mean, I deployed in 2014 and the only outlet you really had was going to the gym or going for a run or watching a movie at the USO or something. Like, So when you have all that taken away from you, like it's hard to figure out what to do with yourself whenever you're not working. Right. I mean, the USO for the first part of our deployment, great job putting on, you know, doing mm -hmm. USO things, putting on event nights to keep soldiers occupied. Uh, but the other 
thing of the unit that was to replace us couldn't train because they weren't allowed to be together. Mm -hmm. So we were delayed coming home by 90 days Oh wow! uh, in 30 day increments. Hey, Mm -hmm. it's going to be 30 more days. So the phone calls home, you know, Hey, not coming home in June. Hey, not coming home in, in July, not coming home in August. You know, eventually uh, we got, I was one of the last to leave and, and got home in, in October. So a nine month deployment in country ended up being, you know, a full 12 months. Uh, so that, that was a frustrating aspect of it all. And just the unknown, you know, mm-hmm. just, and, and, you know, I know that was tough for the battalion commander to have to continue to put that out to, to soldiers, but it, it was the best information that, that we had at the time. Mm-hmm. Can I ask a question about sure. COVID? Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you guys experience the great toilet paper shortage of 2020 over there? Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, maybe I don't think so because I can't, I can't put my... Well, you guys, the thing about deployment is like, you don't think about having to go shopping because everything is provided. So, I mean, I could see where it probably really wasn't as big of a deal as it was for us because you, they probably had everything there that you needed. Yeah, no, I don't, that, that wasn't that big of a deal or if it is, I, I'm not recalling it. Uh, the, we had to wait in line for everything. So you're, Mm -hmm. and you had to wear a mask as you're standing outside in the desert, in the heat, waiting to go. Uh, you know, go through the chow line to get your to get your food, and uh, towards the end of deployment, you're allowed to eat in the chow hall. Um, but most of you know, from February till I don't you know mid summer, you know, you weren't allowed to eat in the chow hall, so you had to take it back somewhere to your room uh, to eat. And sometimes you the chow hall line was so long that you wouldn't. You know, I was having my wife send me ramen and tuna and you know, just other things to not have to wait, wait in line for, for food. I was going to say, I could not imagine because the lines are already long as it is and they typically move pretty quickly. But when you're having to stand six feet apart from somebody and then you can't even eat in there, like I can't even imagine how long you would have to even wait. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just kind of one of those things, mm-hmm. you know, that you're know, looking back on it, 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 it seems silly, but at the time it, it, it made sense. It was the, the best decision we could make with the information that we had. So this is a question that I think we've ever really asked anybody, but we'll, we'll test it out with you. All right. Um, <laughs> so if you had 30 seconds to um, tell your, or give your younger self some advice, what would that be? Uh, my younger, younger self would probably be, you know, listen to your parents. They, <laughs> they know what's best for you and, and they've probably made some of the mistakes that, that you're going to make. Uh, but I mean, certainly when, you know, my younger self in my career is, you know, listen to your NCOs, um, learn from your NCOs. They, 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 they have your best interest at heart and take care of your soldiers, um, making sure that, you know, don't waste soldiers time. Uh, they care about their time just as much as you, you care about yours. Uh, yeah, that's. That's, that's what I got. Awesome. So do you have any advice that you would give those who are listening that maybe want to go the officer route or they're in school and they're trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives? Like what advice would you give to people who are listening in that kind of situation? I didn't, you know, I, the South Carolina National Guard found me. Um, I didn't necessarily 
seek it out. I was hoping to go active duty when I commissioned out of, out of Furman, but uh, I was, I mean, looking back on it now, fortunate enough to commission into the South Carolina National Guard, and everything that it's been able to provide me has, is, I mean, I've checked every career box that, that I think I could ever want or ever thought that I would I would get to. And, mm-hmm. and just do your job. And focus on what you're currently doing. And a lot of people are, are constantly looking for that, that next step and that next opportunity. But if you're, if you're focused at what you're tasked with now and doing it to the best of your ability, those future opportunities will come. And, and not looking too far forward and just enjoying the moment. Um, you know, everyone talking to people that are post-Battalion Command, like, oh, Battalion Command was the best, best time of my life. Oh, Company command was the best time. You know, platoon. You know, it's it's all it's all the best time of your life. So you you just have to savor the moment. Uh, do the best that you can. Uh, have good mentors. Have have solid NCOs and, and staff officers around you, and uh, enjoy it. Awesome. Do you have any uh, words for your fourth of the one eighteenth uh, soldiers and officers? That uh, may be listening. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, same thing I said at my, my change of command. Um, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege. Uh, I truly believe that that organization, that unit, has the highest op tempo in the state. Uh, in the past five years, they've done two warfighter exercises, an XCTC rotation at Fort Bliss, an NTC rotation at Fort Irwin, an extended deployment, and we're going back to XCTC this summer. So uh, it's... It's, it's difficult, it's hard, but it's hard and difficult for a reason because that organization, that unit gets called upon to do tough, difficult things. So savor the moment, enjoy it, know why you're there, uh, know that it's important to be there, uh, and know that it's a, a relevant and valid organization uh, w- within the state. All right, sir, is there anything else that you want to say or maybe something we didn't ask to kind of close out? Uh, no, I mean, not, not that I can think of. Yeah, you know, I, I certainly appreciate this opportunity. Um, yeah, absolutely. We're, we really appreciate you stopping by. Um, and it was fun to hear um, all the different stuff. And I didn't realize that you were in the 4th of the 118th, like through your pretty much your whole career. I mean, not a lot of people stay in the same spot for that long. Yeah, especially officers. Yeah. So I was, you know, I'm blessed I'm, and very fortunate to, to have been able to stay as, as long as I have. And mm-hmm being able to go back and, and command. So I'm very privileged and Absolutely. Pr- thank, thankful for the leadership for entrusting me with, with this opportunity. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for stopping by. Um, if you like this video, make sure you give it a big thumbs up. If you haven't subscribed to our channel, make sure you hit the subscribe button and we will catch you guys in the next episode.